Okay, Shalom Uvracha friends, thank you all for joining from wherever you're joining all around the world. It's such a privilege to learn these teachings with you, Bisiyata Deshmaya, each week as we try to delve into the core and the essence of what Rabbi Nachman of Breslov is trying to give over and trying to express in the world. Many, many, many people are learning Rabbi Nachman's works on varying levels um, in, the, uh, in the world of academia. Rabbi Nachman is becoming more and more popular. He's seen as a modern existentialist, an existential thinker, philosopher. And our purpose in this series and in all of our teachings, like I always try to say and try to remind myself all the time, and we're all on this journey together, is that all of our learning should be not simply for intellectual stimulation and to learn information, maybe even useful information, but to find a way to bring it down into our hearts, to find a way to bring it down into our neshamas, so that it can guide us along this road, so that we can genuinely try to embody these ideas in the most authentic way. What did Rabbi Nachman want out of all of this? What was the purpose? What was the tachlis of all of these teachings? And so, we find ourselves privileged enough to be engaged in a limud that's specifically focused on this kind of learning. In Lakuta Maran, you can get lost a little bit in all the connections and all of the ideas and all of the, you know, all of the incredible technicalities of Rabbi Nachman's revelations that sometimes we can forget to bring it down, how to bring it down practically. And Sikha Saran is specifically outfitted for this kind of learning. So it's a tremendous privilege to be able to take this journey with you as we continue on this path together. So I'm gonna share my screen as always, and we will take a look at the two tremendously foundational teachings from Sikha Saran that we're going to be delving into today, um, There's a lot of material tonight. There's always a lot of material, usually a lot of material, but tonight it's, it's a lot, both in the sense of how many words there are, how long the pieces are, but these are tremendously foundational pillars of Rabbi Nachman's path maybe even the core and the essence, certainly the second piece. So we'll try to focus, Be'ezer Hashem, the bulk of our time on the second piece, which is Sichas Haran Mem Zayin, 47. But let's first try to learn, just on a basic level, Sichas Haran Mem Vav, 46, without any other sources, and then we'll delve very deeply into Mem Zayin. So thank you again all for joining. You know that there's a tremendous Siyata Deshmaya, a tremendous heavenly assistance that comes down specifically in the context of all different kinds of neshamas, joining together to learn with openness and a desire to grow closer to the master of the world, following the etzas and advice of the tzaddikim, this tzaddik in particular, Ashrenu, Amish Ashrenu, so thank you for being a part of it. Rabbi Nachman says it's very important to guard the machshava, the power of thought. If you really think about it, it is thoughts that ultimately go ahead and cause things to happen in the, in the actual physical reality around us. Just on a, on, a, on a very basic level, no action usually, certainly not purposeful action, is taken without, without machshava first. You know, the Gemara describes the way in which Adam muad la'olam, right? Man is, is always constantly a muad, he's, which means he's always in a state 
where we presume that he can damage, right? He's a damager. He's called a mazik. He has potential to damage. And the damage done by human beings ordinarily is of a much, much more severe level because there's premeditation. So you can have animals that their nature is to attack, right? Oxen, different animals that are dangerous animals, certainly when they become a muad, if they've done it a number of times, but they're not dark and lahazik, right? In the sense that they're not, they don't, or rather they don't have premeditated ability to plan out a crime in such a way. And therefore, you, you can have, again, oxen that can gore individuals, maybe damage cars, but they're not conspiring to build an atomic bomb, right? They don't have the capacity to damage in such a tremendously powerful way. And of course, we're speaking about the negative, but as Chazal say, Mida Toiba Meruba, the positive measure, the positive take on a certain concept will always be more powerful. Mida Toiba Meruba, certainly the amount of good that we can accomplish, meaning we as human beings, we as Jews, certainly we as human beings, the amount that we're able to accomplish, Litav, on the positive side of things, is out is 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 you know incomparable to what other levels of creation are able to accomplish because of our ability to think. So that on a simple level, it means that we shouldn't underestimate the power of thought because at the end of the day, it's the power of thought that enables us to actually do things in the literal world, in the physical, practical, actualized reality around us. So a lot of people will come to value actions because that's something real. But thoughts and the way that we think and our categories of thinking and our assumptions and you know, just more generally speaking, the general way in which we approach life, we don't, we don't put so much stock into that. We care, well, are we behaving properly? And it's the same thing in education, right? What do we necessarily uh, or how do we assess the success or the position on the journey of growth in our children and in our students? How are they behaving, right? How are they acting? And, you know, on the report card, the marks are for, generally speaking, okay, in school it's a little bit different, but at home we can assess behavior. And that's usually the way that we think of things. Rabbi Nachman says, don't underestimate tracking the assumptions, the processes that our children and ourselves certainly are adopting. How are they processing situations, right? Much more elemental, much more foundational than the ways in which they're acting because the actions are only going to be expressions and extensions of something much more central, which is the way in which they're thinking, what their, what their basic concepts are about reality, about other people, about good and not good, about, uh, about, about you know, um, about truth and, and falsehood and so on and so forth. So I, I personally believe that a lot more stock perhaps needs to be put into, in terms of education, needs to be put into developing strong fertile minds and not so much right actions because you can squeeze you know a, a round peg into a, into a square all you want and it may fit for a certain amount of time, but ultimately when the framework falls away, if you didn't build a foundation, very little is left. And that's why the most important thing in education is first laying strong foundations. And foundations, and especially in terms of ideas, are rooted in philosophy. All, all rooted in philosophy. And I don't mean Greek, you know, or, you know, that kind of philosophy. I mean, generally speaking, the earliest, earliest conceptions that we have about things. The earliest set of 
uh, of interpretations through which we're viewing the facts around us. What is the world? Why are we here? All the why questions are philosophical questions. If we can get those down pat, we're going to see that Gamki, right? In that way, then we've laid a foundation strong enough and powerful enough that much later on in life, they're going to have the foundations to help them process any circumstance. It's almost like, you know, just again, not to dwell on this too long. We've already dwelled on it too long. We have a lot to do. <laughs> but this is also important. You know, halachically speaking, a good Rebbe will much rather teach a student the foundational principles in a sugya than the actual application in specific cases. Why? Because there are going to be a great many cases, right, that the, that the, that the, that the Jew will encounter in any given area of halacha throughout his or her life. And if all we were taught was, so to speak, the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, you know, practical, here are the cases and here's what to do, without knowing the underlying fundamental principles, we're not going to be able to know what to do in circumstances that fall outside of the sphere of those very specific situations that we've analyzed, right? And so it's much, much more um, beneficial. It's like teach a man to fish, you know, something like that. Much more elemental to give the foundations so that it will actualize in the way that we behave, but it will be rooted in a very strong foundation. So that's on one level Rabbi Nachman is saying here, respect machshava. Don't overlook it. Respect it. Respect it in terms of our own thinking and how we invest in our thinking. Uh, again, you know, we can talk about this really for the next hour, but so much of our tradition today, modern day orthodoxy, modern day Torah observant Jews, Jews, Yidin, is focused on proper behavior. We don't spend so much time on our thinking, right? On our thinking, we have assumptions, you know, basic hashkafos, so to speak, that we absorb, that we that we that that we got, you know, that we're given. But ultimately, we don't put so much stock into developing our thoughts. And really, thought is where it all starts, because of course, you and I, for the men here, you and I can both put on tefillin tomorrow morning, right? So the action will be a right action. But the machshava, in terms of what our perception of what tefillin is can be night and day from one another. And Mamela, the action is different. Even though it's the same action, it's the same physical action, but what it does for us, right? And how it binds us in the way that it's supposed to bind us, what is it? Is it just a mitzvah, we check it off, or it's, or it's part of a binion, of a large structure of my entire Avodah Hashem founded on a why that pervades all of these different elements. That's on one level what Ibn Achman means, machshava yachaliyaz nasa davar chiyuni mamish. That's on one level. In other places, not specifically here, but in other places, Ibn Achman speaks about the, I don't know exactly, the metaphysical capacity for thought to actually cause things to happen in the real world. This has been popularized today in the concept of the, you know, the law of attraction, things like this, right? And, and the theory of manifestation, different, you know, more new agey kind of ideas, but that are rooted in Kedusha. And, and the delicate balance is knowing how to process them, what they mean, when they are true. And we can get carried away by these ideas also in a way that leads to a tremendous amount of unhealth as well. That's a separate conversation. But Rabbi Nachman certainly does mean that. And all of those kinds of mashpiyim will point, you know, to this teaching and to these teachings to say, you see, it's in Rabbi Nachman also. And there is truth to that. It also requires a great deal of processing this teaching in the context of all of Rabbi Nachman's other teachings and not to build a philosophy out of one line, right? But there is definitely truth to that, that machshava thought has the ability, we see that even halachically in Hilchas Nida, thought has the ability to cause certain things to happen. And so therefore, again, Rabbi Nachman is stressing the importance of cultivating 
positive thinking, like we know in Chabad, for example, in Yigaris HaKodesh, Yud Aleph, all of us know or are familiar with, even if we don't know Yiddish, we know this, I think. Trach good und vetzayn good. You think good, and it will be good. How does that work? There's a great deal of discussion as to how that works. The Kedusha Slavi has, has, has an approach in his own way, but this is certainly one of those examples. Positive thought can have an actual manifestation and impact, is the word I'm looking for, on what actually happens in our lives. Even without getting into, you know, different sort, so there's a word I'm, I'm missing now, but it, it, different different metaphysical or even either ah, like quantum mechanics sort of ways in which our thinking actually causes things to happen. Although, again, there's certainly room for that kind of conversation. I think on a much more pragmatic level, which makes it much easier for us to process, it's very simple. A lot of things in life are accessible only to those who think that, it, that they are accessible. And if a person begins with the assumption that this is unattainable or that this is not doable, guess what? It's not going to be doable for you. You're right. It will be what's also referred to as a self-fulfilling prophecy. All of these ideas are interrelated. We don't have time, unfortunately, now to get into all of these sugyas, but it is a sugya. But that's certainly also what Rabbi Nachman means over here. Machshava is powerful. Let's spend time cultivating it, giving ourselves the tools to be able to think positively, stay away from negative thinking, and that doesn't simply mean anxious, uh, bitter, hateful, angry thinking, but even Tuma, right? And that's what he's gonna speak about as well. Improper thoughts, improper thoughts, negative thoughts, egotistical thoughts, right? All of these are bound together, and Machshav is going to be very important. Vida says Rabbi Nachman, spent way too much time on that, but I guess just how much time we were supposed to, and that's okay. Vida, and anything we have left over, we'll do it next week, you know, it's fine. We're not in any rush. We're not in a rush at all. Vida, says Rabbi Nachman, and a person should know, says Rabbi Nachman, think about the power of Machshav, and he gives a very interesting arrangement, I bring this in Sparks from Radichev, that the higher up a power is within the human being, the further the reach and the greater the impact and implication. And over here he gives an incredible, it's not even a muscle, it's just a fact. And most of us don't think about it this way, but it's true. Listen to this. Kemoyla muscle. It's, it's not a muscle, but he says we can see how this manifests within our physical bodies as well. With your foot, we're not talking about kicking. If you put a little bit of a, a, a you know, some sort of ball that's not slippery, that's not going to fall off, you put something on your, on your foot, right? And you hold it between your, your foot and your leg, and you cast it. You don't kick it, because kicking is a separate thing. But you, you like, you, you know, just try to cast it off of your foot. It'll go so far, right? It'll go so far to go to the ceiling a little bit higher. It'll go so far. Avalim Hayyad, but if you're going to throw something with your hand, which is the same idea as casting it with a foot, it's essentially throwing it with your foot. If you throw it with a hand, oh, it can reach far further than that because it's higher up on the body. With our mouths, we can scream perhaps further and be heard under the right conditions, certainly further than the place to which we can throw the ball. 
We can scream so loud, certainly in you know in an echoey uh, you know setting. We can be heard from a very, very, very great distance further than the distance to which we can throw something because it's higher up. And perhaps he's even speaking not just about actually being heard vocally, but the words we say can be heard around the world, right? And, and, and something that we tell somebody else, it gets passed along, and, and it can be heard far away. But what's higher than, than the mouth? The ears. And our ears can perceive sound that's coming from a far more distant place than the place to which we could reach with our words, like a, a, an atomic explosion, something terrible like that. You can hear from a much further place than the place to which your words would be able to reach in whatever of the two explanations can hear from far away. And he says, they shoot a cannon, right? You can hear that. Now what about sight? With your eyes, you can look at a planet. You can, you can see the moon, right? You can, you can reach a place far beyond the place from which you're able to hear something. Kiba, no, no amount of sound, I presume, on the, on the moon. I don't know exactly the setting over there and how far sound waves travel, if they travel at all. I seem to remember hearing that the moon is completely silent, right? That space is silent, maybe. I don't know. But, but whatever, whatever it is, you can see the moon. We can't hear something from the moon, right? That's eyesight. You can look at the planet. Nimso we find. Shekol b'china. Shigvoya yoyser lamala. Every aspect of the body that's higher up, can reach further. Now, Chavar, tell me, what's higher than the, than the eyes? What's the highest part or component of the human being? It's the machshava. Not my bald head, that's also true. But the machshava, the machshava in our minds is able to reach, of course, cumulatively further. He and with the mind, weak, he doesn't say it explicitly, but he means that, I, I, I think. You can think about things that don't even exist. You can reach alternate realities. You can create realities. And it can reach worlds that we can't see, nor hear, nor scream to, nor throw to, nor fling with our feet to. Certainly not. But we can, we can perceive Spiritual worlds, machshava is very powerful. Guard your machshava. Guard your machshava. And the whole thing of the tzaddik, I spoke about this a little bit in, in Lakewood uh, and the Matzah Shabbos a couple of weeks ago when I was zocha to be there. The whole thing of the tzaddik is to give us a new consciousness, is to help us upgrade our thinking. And the Mela, when we upgrade our thinking, like Rabbi Nachman says in the first line, It's not just, oh, you know, okay, he thinks a little bit differently. No, it has impact in every single aspect and area of our lives. All depending on how we think. All depending on what we think about. What our perceptions are regarding the world around us. And like we spoke about, those philosophically oriented why questions. 
And all the time, we have to speak about education, all the time. Certainly in the context of the Tasha Rebbe Shir, right, that we said on Thursday, that all of us are Rebbeim, all of us are Moras, all of us are teachers. And we have to remember, if we can have an hour with a kid, what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on specific behaviors and a specific code of action? Or are we using that hour to lay the roots that will then manifest in all different wonderful ways? So I think that the premise of education today, far more than simply training our kids what to do and how to do, we have to be giving them the why. And then they'll be able later in life to already have that foundation upon which to draw. So those ideas will help them, not just in the specific circumstances we speak about, but in all circumstances, as we mentioned in the beginning of this year. I'll just read this one line again, again. The first line. It's machshava that has an impact and actually manifests in the real world, in the way that we behave, in the way that things happen around us. And that's very, very important. Okay, here we get to the main thing. At least in the context of our shir today, we got a lot to cover. All with the help of the Master of the World. What a privilege. What a privilege to learn this with you. It's such a schus. Thank you so much for being a part of it. What a privilege. Thank you, Hashem Mamish. Okay, here we go. This is like a fundamental piece. Super fundamental. Says the Rebbe. The following requires a tremendous merit. It's a big merit. Which is, what's the, what's, the, what's the big merit? To spend one hour a day, this wonderful expression, which means settling oneself. One hour a day. Or at least a time a day. A set time each and every day built into our schedule, no less important than anything else we're doing. To do what? Of course, to speak to Hashem, because this aligns with the Shah Hispoidus, like Rabbi Nachman says in many other places, to speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But here he casts it in somewhat of a different term. Yishav Hadas. And that's the way that he describes this hour of speaking to God in our own words, in the most open, unscripted, completely and entirely authentic and spontaneous way. But here, again, he gives another element of it. What are we trying to accomplish in this time? Whether it's an hour, a half hour, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, like I say, Rabbi Akamir Shechter told me when I asked him, does it have to be an hour? He said, do 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, Davin, that you should have more time or more stamina. Or, you know, the circumstances should be better. So we're trying to work our way up to an hour. That's, that's you know, an hour is the ideal for sure. But however much time it is, Yishav Hadas, to be Miyashiv Atzma. We're going to talk about what that is. And to have real, real regret over those things that we need to regret. Those things that we did that, not in a way of guilt or shame or heaviness, or, but in a way of saying, okay, that wasn't the way that I want to live. So listen to this. Listen at the way in which Rabbi Nachman speaks. Because in many other Sfarim, you'll find conversations about, you know, important things to do, but usually you'll find the word chayiv or chiv, you know, this is your obligation and every person must do this and tzrichim, absolutely. 
Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman wasn't telling anyone what to do. Rabbi Nachman was simply illuminating a path that he's going to refer to as a zechia, as a merit. It's our privilege to do this if we're zocha. If we're not, you know, I once spoke to somebody, she was telling me about how, you know, she, she's getting so down on herself and stressed out and she's so anxious over her spodidos, she hasn't been able to do it and she's beating up on herself. And I said, oh, hold on one second. That is the opposite of what his spodidos is supposed to do for you. That is literally the opposite. And the second his becomes yet another thing that's like, bugging us out and we must do and we don't need to add on more chiyuvim. If we're going to start to look at Espodidus that way and it becomes dogmatic in and of itself, defeats the purpose of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov who came to demolish dogmatism and he came to revive Yiddishkeit with a spirit of deep yearning and excitement. So that's the opposite of that. How does Rabbi Nachman want us to view it? A zechia gedoyla. We should see it as being a privilege and a merit. And he frames it this way, listen to this, and he's so right. Not every person, he says it very nicely here, in a minute he's going to say it much stronger, but not every person, he says, not every person merits to have some time a day, just time for yourself, to process things slowly with Yishavadas. By most individuals, and he's going to speak about to what extent. But by most individuals, the day passes. And before you know it, it starts and it's morning and then stuff. And we have things to do and everybody's busy, especially today. Especially today. And there are certain steps, by the way, that we can take to make ourselves a little bit less busy. That itself takes us to analyze our day and say, okay, what can I you know, compress? What can I cut out? What is not necessary for the ultimate, ultimate fulfillment of the why that we began discussing in a previous piece when we want to serve Hashem be'emes and all of us here do or else we wouldn't be listening to this year right because this, this new year is not a chiv and learning chasidah is not a chiv doesn't say anywhere that you have to do that it means if you're learning it you're seeking it means you want more right and so for me much more recently some of you may have noticed this and I apologize but I'm a person also I have to cut out some some whatsapp time and I'm really trying to limit it to the morning and to the night Yes, granted, that two-time-a-day check is like an hour and a half each, you know, but, but it, 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 it's less than it used to be. And I have Yeshua Adas, and I can leave my phone at home, and I can go to a base measure, and I can sit and learn to have time. To have time. So to find time to be miyashiv, and he says the day passes. And before you know it's night, and before you know it's the next day. Listen to this, and this is more accurate. Afidu pam achas kol Not even once. And this is most of humanity. It's a pele atzum. I've described it in, in the past in the context of this computer game I used to play growing up. Um, you know, yes, there were computers when I was growing up. <laughs> my my childhood was filled with you know these these kinds of things already. Um, but there was some computer game, probably primitive, you know, from our current modern day standpoint, it was called SimCity. And I think the idea was to build uh, theme parks, right? That was maybe there were other versions of the game also theme parks. And you used to be able to fill up these theme parks after you built, you know, all these uh, water, sli it was water slides and all these different roller coasters and different things, you would, you would have to bring people in there. And the way that you did that was you basically selected with your mouse, like a little figure of a human, and you dropped him in. And that's how you, you know, you, you added at least maybe the first minion of people. I don't know. After that, you had to draw people based on the ratings you got in your park, whatever it was. But the first couple of chevra, you just dropped in there. And it boggled the mind the way in which you dropped them in. 
I don't know where they were before that, but you drop them in and they immediately just start functioning like it's the most normal thing to be just in a theme park and just born as a grown-up individual, you know, beeline right to the, to, the, to the water slide and right to the Ferris wheel. And they're going on and they're going off. And when I got older, I realized this is mommish life. And it's much more bewildering with real life, with sentient conscious beings than it is with a, with a computer game. Most people are dropped into this world and without giving it one second of thought, what is this place? Why am I here? Who trapped me in here? <laughs> what, what, we immediately go straight to the roller coaster without even thinking. And we have our, you know, our, our Coke with, our, with, the, with the ice and, and a thing of popcorn. And we're having a great time. And we don't stop for a second. Hold on a second. Like, what is this? I would venture to say 90%, and this is generous, 90% of human beings won't give it a thought, certainly not today. Because the world, in order to maintain its hold on us, and this is very, very important, not speaking, you know, conspiracy things, a new world order. In order for Olam Hazeh, right? The Satan, right? Sitra Achra, to hold on us in a door in a generation that has access to the deepest, deepest concepts that are literally at your fingertips and at my fingertips, the only way is if it's going to increase the level of distraction. If you'll notice, the more tremendous industries build up around consumerism and around pleasure and around right, making all these things accessible to the same degree, oftentimes by those same companies, they're distracting us from every, every angle, even if they're not making money off it or it doesn't appear that they're making money off it, they're making money off it because if they can distract us enough to prevent us from thinking for a second about what it is that we're actually doing, we'll keep on coming back to fill up this void, this emptiness that we feel and we don't even know what it is because we never stop to think about what that might be. And so more and more in today's day and age, a person can literally fill his or her life with pseudo meaning and pseudo interest to facilitate the complete and very unfortunate void of any drop of MS. Video game to video game, WhatsApps to Facebooks, to Instagrams, to TikToks. Uh, did I get everything? I'm sure there's many, many more to, what else? Uh, other things, right? And, and, and it never stops. It push, it never stops. It boggles the mind. Most people need a full-time secretary to manage their social media. I don't know how you people do it. I have WhatsApp, I have Facebook. A little bit I'm on WhatsApp, a little bit I'm on Facebook. Baruch Hashem, both of those things I believe that I use for the purpose of trying to spread Torah, encourage people, and, and, and learn from other people, and that's the context in which I use social media. There are people I know, maybe some of you, I don't know, that have literally eight social media accounts. How do you do it? How do you do it? How is there time to manage and to process and to check and to, it's just, I, I don't understand it, but it's not contributing to Yishevah Das. That it's for sure not doing. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is this for? And again, this relies on the philosophical why that underlies this kind of behavior. Why am I doing this? What do I need it for? What do I need it for? How is it contributing to my mission of growing close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? If there's something in our lives that's not contributing to that, then, it's, then, it's, then it's, it's something that's taking away. Even if we can't draw a direct line between that, just in the sense of the distraction that it's adding, it means one minute less time 
to, to, to focus on something eternally meaningful without getting into it's 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 tame and it's bad and is that without getting into any of that technology none of that none of that talk not for me at least without getting into any of that just on the basic basic level of time that's something that's important to think about it's certainly something that I'm grappling with and so I'm sure that it's relevant to some of you as well the ain loy penai not once. Oh, here he does use the word srichim. I guess he really means it. But because it's a merit, right? But a person needs liroys to see and to see to it. Build it into the schedule. Find it somewhere. Find it. Because this is essential just in the same way that everything else you're doing is essential. And so very, very busy people will say, listen, I need to do this. Well, you need to do this also. And perhaps you need to do this or your need to do this is even greater than the other things that are absolute necessities. Because yes, we need to make a living. And yes, we need to you know, make sure the household is in order and make sure that everything is running the way that it needs to run in all the different areas of our lives. But if we're lacking the basic fundamental peace of mind that all of those things are supposed to help facilitate, then we're never getting to the tachlis. We're never get, it's an endless, endless cycle. The way the Shlomo Kavach describes it, and I said, I believe I mentioned it, I don't know, I think in Miami, at the Miami event, and I said it to somebody also, I don't think in the context of the Yishirim, but very basically, he said it's simple. He said, you stop a person on the street. Of course, again, it's a simplification, but basically, it's true on some level. There are more steps in between, perhaps, but he says, you stop a person on the street, you ask him, hey, you know, you say, why, what, what do you do? He says, I work. Why do you work? It goes into a why question. Why do you work? To make money. Why do you make money? To have food on, on my table, to be able to eat. Why do you eat? To have strength. Why do you need strength? To make money. Why do you need to make money? So that I can have food. Why do you need food? So that I can have strength. Why do you have strength? To work. And it goes around and around this way. Around and around. In an endless circle, it's this little Sim City, you know, figure running around the theme park without stopping for a second to look up, to look out, to look outside the computer, and to look to the hand that's dropping him in there, and into the arm that, that the hand is connected to, and into the body, and up to the face, into the consciousness of, why am I doing this? Granted, it wasn't a very good answer as to why I was playing the computer game as a kid, so it might not have satisfied the existential question of the Sim City figure. But for us in the Nimshal, to do that process and to ask ourselves all the time this needs reminding all the time this is it Hever. this is it after all the sophistication of our ideas and our learning and our this and our that by Rabbi Nachman it was like okay good yes we need everything after that then what then what what's it all for for what purpose Sir Nachman says, you need to go ahead, very important, and I need to go ahead. I'm sure you're already doing this, and I need to go ahead. Spend time every day settling yourself. He's going to discuss what that means. I'll call myself going through everything that's going on in your life. That you're doing in this world. Daily to focus on this. I only have a specific amount of time. Certainly in my day, perhaps in my life, we spoke about that in the Tasha Rebbe Shir. It's certainly true. All of us have a death sentence, and we dive in that each and every one of us should live long and happy till 120. And ultimately, we should live forever on some level. But in our current conception of reality, 
All of us, I hate to break it to you, all of us are going to die. We just, we will. This is an illusion, this reality. It's not forever. This is not forever. And so a person needs to stop and ask themselves, like, every second matters on the clock. Reb Nassim, we're going to see for Reb Nassim in a minute, I hope. We'll see for Reb Nassim, every second matters. Every second counts. Is this worthy of, like, literally wasting? Literally. And it's not even like we can give an excuse for it, like some sort of, no, I need it from Rebbe Hashem. Literally wasting hours upon hours upon hours upon hours. We need to ask ourselves this. It's not the place of anybody else to come and to tell us, hey, you know, it's our own. It's our own process. If we want to do the MS, if we don't want to do the MS and we want to spend our lives in a dimion, fooling ourselves, fooling what we think, fooling Hashem, that's also cool. That's, that's your prerogative. But in as much as we want to make use of this lifetime, live spiritually mature and responsible lives that ultimately lead to Ganeidin and Olam Abba, forget about Olam Abba, and Olam Azeh, to tap into the inner existence of being and to truly tap into Oneg and to live life with true eternal meaning, not short fleeting, you know, hits of dopamine when you see a little like on your Facebook post. But true spiritual fulfillment, we have to ask ourselves, is kach roi to spend my time this way? And can I reconfigure? And can I spend my time more meaningfully, both for myself, for others around me, and so on and so forth? He says, because people don't necessarily have time to be miyash themselves, don't make the time to settle themselves in this way and to hold on to that existential lucidity and clarity with regard to our lives. And even if we do, he says, a little bit, a little bit, but it's not real, real Yishavadas because it's too, it's too short and it's not deep enough. And time passes and we lose it. And even that das and even that clarity that remains is not super powerful. Therefore, says Rabbi Nachman, we don't fully grasp the folly of this world. Folly, complete and utter foolishness. We don't grasp it. We take this world way too seriously. But if a person would spend time, and the breast lovers did this for generations, 200, close to 200 years of breast liver Hasidim doing this, in every setting, in every situation, in Auschwitz, in, during pogroms, in every conceivable setting, and also very wealthy people living very comfortable lives, there was this concept of an individual who wasn't a mystic, I wasn't an ascetic sitting on top of a mountain somewhere. He was a regular guy. He was a regular person who lived in this world and made a living like everyone else and had families like everyone else and was involved in communities like everyone else and had ambitions and dreams and habits and hobbies and pasts and future like everyone else. There was a portion of the world population, a percentage of a percentage of a percentage of a percentage a minuscule percentage of human beings throughout world history, just over the last 200 years, who found time each day to go out and to focus on the essence of life. I don't know about you, but I want to be among that group. I want to be counted among this group of people, even amongst religious Jews, who are living in a different way.
and on a different plane. And whose insight attained during that period of time is able to then provide them with the tools to engage with all of life in a completely different way. It's interesting how these two pieces connect. Going back to what we said, the machshava the is clear, the mice is something else. Maybe that's why they follow one another, because it's the same idea. The machshava needs to be clear. We need to have clarity. If there's one thing we don't have today, it's this kind of clarity. And that's what leads to a host of different issues that are not really issues. They are symptoms of this lack of yishavadas and broad-minded, very, very big picture thinking that doesn't get caught up in the shtus and hevel of this worldliness. That doesn't sit at conventions, liminehem, focusing on pragmatic details that aren't issues in and of themselves, but are symptoms of something much more elemental that unfortunately is completely glossed over and not even part of the, of the vernacular, of the vocabulary of even very great people. Clarity. So we don't understand how foolish the matters that most people are preoccupied in. You listen to conversations, it, it boggles the mind, not looking down or judging. You know, each person has their journey, but it boggles the mind. What people spend their time on, thinking about, speaking about, focusing on, worrying over, getting happy about. If a person would have strong seichel, and the most amazing thing is that he doesn't require us to take any course or to learn any book or to learn any sefer or to become a big mekobel or a big philosopher. He says, Take some time and go out alone and just think about life. Think about life. You don't need to be a big physicist or some big rocket scientist to understand internally, in a moment of honesty, what this world is all about and what we need to fix and what we need to stay away from. It's like not that complicated. It's complicated because we're distracted as anything. But if we're going to give ourselves the gift of a couple of minutes every day and let that expand and grow, and if we do it properly in nature, go out to a forest, go out to a field, and even better at night, which is complicated in certain issues, you know, safety and so on and so forth, everything should be with das, that also, you know, practical. But find, find a way and sit among the Kaddish Baruch Hu's creation and just focus on what this world is all about, what life is all about. Then, says Rabbi Nachman about Espodidus, you come back to the world and you see the same things in life through a naim acherim legamri, through different eyes, a different world. He says, Olam Chadash. You see a new world. So he says, if a person would have this seichel miyushav chazak v'takif, hoyemeven shakol shtus v'hevel. It would be shtus. Positions of power, positions of, of running things and, and, and operating and managing people and things. Traveling around. There's nothing to appreciate about that. There's nothing exciting about that. It's a shtus. People think it's going to be a pleasant experience. It's not a pleasant experience. You get trampled upon while you travel. It, it also carries with it its own portion of Yisurim and Bizyonis. And this is very important. This is somewhat of a separate thing. But this desire, right, to be mefursim, if it's not in a way of Kedusha, 
is, is unhinged from reality. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you look at celebrities, you look at even people in the religious sphere that have tremendous positions of power, and a lot of people are jealous of them, and a lot of people look toward them and say, oh, they got it all. But like I spoke about previously, you know, when the, when the camera turns off, you know, and when, and when the live feed stops running, Mar ben chasim mar daiga. Chazal said this thousands of years ago. It rings truer and truer and truer today. This is Rabbi Nachman's story of the Chacham and the Tam. And that's why I said this teaching is so foundational because it really cuts to the root and the essence and the core of what Rabbi Nachman means to be saying. That some people might look at as simplistic. Some people think, oh, Rabbi Nachman wanted you to be just a stupid, ignorant, boor and amaaret. Rabbi Nachman came to say something far deeper than that. Rabbi Nachman came to say, be a Chacham. Learn everything that there is to learn. Delve deeply into all areas of Torah and into all areas of studies of the world. But after all of that, the greatest Chachma is, let go of all of it. After it, let go of all of it. And you'll find out who's happier. The big sophisticated philosopher who knows very deep ideas or the simple person that just knows the secret of gratitude. Just knows the secret. He has very, very little, understands very little, happy with what he has. A person who has emunah, person is able to rely on a Kurdish Baruch Hu in different circumstances, you'll see, you'll see who's living better. You'll see. You'll be able to evaluate. So it says, says, says Ibn Achman, it's all shtus vehevel. It's all a facade. It's not true. It's not true. If that's all a person has and he thinks that all of this external validation is going to make him or her finally attain that level of self-acceptance that we're seeking, it is not. It'll build up a very beautiful facade that other people look at and are jealous of which itself causes ayin horrors of getting into it. Other people are jealous of, but inside, it's all, because it was never, it was never midubak to the individual themselves. It's like a garment. It all accumulates outside, but it doesn't connect. And so it can just be taken off and it's nothing left. At the end of the day, it's nothing left. Rabbi Nachman says it's a shtus. There's got to be something more real there. There's got to be something more real. Rabbi Nachman speaking about validation, Listen to this. He told one of his chasidim who had this yitzahara. He said, He says, if you do this, you're not even going to be, be able to bench. One word of benching properly. Why? Because if your whole focus is on what other people are thinking of you, and you're going to outsource your happiness into the perception of other people. I, I write about this very, very much in my upcoming book, Siyat Rishmayin Torah Vav, about this idea of, 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 of Kavad Malachim, that's a, that's a subjective glory, and reliant on what other people think. If that's going to be the foundation of your Osher in life, you won't be able to do one thing to MS. Because you're going to need constantly to have on your mind what you're doing, as well as how can I do this in a way that's going to be pleasing to other people. Says this will not help your Avodah Hashem. It's going to take away. Because if you get completely absorbed into this kind of behavior and into this kind of worldview and perspective, MS goes out the window. And that's a big sacrifice. That's a big struggle. A big struggle. And I can speak about just on my tiny level in a position of dealing with people, trying to spread in the world. It's a, it's a big problem. 
And this needs this itself needs to spoil this over and public admission that it's a problem and and and, and so on and so forth because this is you know part of what happens. This is part of what happens. Now I, I made a joke one time. I was giving a shir and I made a bracha beforehand and I told the chaver I said I wish all my brachas would be recorded. You know because when because of course there's a difference. Of course there's a difference and it's a terrible thing, right? Of course there's a difference. So what's the goal? First of all, to do things that make it clear that you don't care what other people think and that if you're connected to an ideal and you believe something's MS, it doesn't make a difference whether people like it or whether people hate it or don't like it or love it. And to try to align our avoda alone together with the way in which we serve HaKadosh Baruch when surrounded by people. That's also an important thing. We spend a lifetime working on this stuff, but Espodidus helps because that's the foundation of Espodidus. You're alone and no one's looking at you and no one's going to be able to assess your Espodidus and stand there outside at the periphery of the forest with a thing of gold stars, putting it on. Oh, very nice. You did a great job. Nobody, nobody. They'll look down at you. They'll trample on you. They'll call it Bittal Tyra. They'll tell you that you're a fool. They'll tell you you're, you're talking to yourself. All these wonderful things they'll tell you. So Espodidus gives you the kalim to remind yourself, I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing, in as, in, in as much as I myself, and of course you are, but myself, I'm a nobody and a nothing. And then to open myself up to the mission, to the empowerment of why am I doing this, then march back out to the world with that clarity, that mitzidi, from my own perspective, only klum, Mitzad, the chilek of the kamimal within me, that's working through me to bring Kedusha to the world, I can do anything. That's that balance. That's that balance. But I'm not a Nitzrich Lebrius. I don't, I, don't, I don't care what other people think. I do what I know is right. And I li klum. If it's MS, it's MS. I don't care where I get it from and I don't care who I say it to. MS is MS. And all of us need a, a little bit of a healthy dosage of that. I don't care what people think so much about you. Nobody here, don't care so much. So much of what we worry about in life, if you really trace it back, it's because of this Indian of Amnitzer Chlebrius. Because we still, we still need this person to give me approval. If you know something's MS and it's deep down inside, and how do we measure that? Is it bringing you closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Is it making your life more elevated? Don't listen to anyone. Mayaseli Adam, al tiftichu benedivim. You're connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's who you answer to. That's who you answer to. Mesoira, Dathayra, all this stuff. MS. Hold on to MS. Don't let go. MS Kanei Al Timkar. Like Shalom says, don't let go. If you know it's true. doesn't mean that it's true for every single other person that we have to push it down people's throats. If it works for you, hold on to it. That's all you have in life. Walk with it. And so that's what Rabbi Nachman says. To be very wary of Nitzrich Labrias of needing other people's approval. Very, very wary of that. So the last couple of minutes left, let's take a look at these three pieces. Wow, we got a lot to do. Okay, we'll try to pack it in. Here we begin with Lakutamantanyana Yud, an extremely, again, extremely foundational teaching that aligns very much with everything that we just said. And so we'll go through it a little bit more quickly. But it's it's sort of the sister or brother Taira to this Sicha, in Lukut Imran, this is in the second volume of Lukut Imran, Torah, Yud, Lesson 10. Says the Rebbe, This that the world is very distant from Hashem. Very distant at what's close to Hashem and what's distant from Hashem. Awareness of Hashem. Das of Hashem. Practical, applied consciousness of the Creator of existence and what He wants from us as it relates to the way that we act. And not only are they distant from this, 
But ve'enam neskarvim alavis baruch. They don't make any efforts to draw themselves closer to it. Hurak machmas. As Rebbe Nachman literally, he doesn't say, here's one of the reasons, one of 30. Hurak machmas. This is the sole reason that people are distant. She'en lahem yishuv hadas. They do not have Yishav Hadas. They do not have a settled mind. Where am, where am I from? Where am I going? Simple things. Simple foundational Pirkei Avos concepts are, if they know it, very, very far back in their minds. To have the time and the peace of mind and the quiet and the stillness to assess different things going on in our lives and to find solutions and to be mindful of the things that are truly important, the things that are less important, to prioritize, to strategize. We don't, so we just jump in like mamish, you know, like a fish into this ocean of complexity. And we don't have any pockets of, of breathing space to assess what's going on and why, and what's really important, and what's a shtus and a hevel, and what things we operate in under the assumption that this is how things need to be without any thought as to how things might be very different. Yishavadaz. Ve'ein miyashvin atzman. Ve'a'ikr says, Rebbe Nachman, the main thing is lehishtadel liyashiv atzmai heitev. Try, he says. Try. That's all Rabbi Nachman wants from us. Try. But let it be real. Let it be authentic. Let it not be, oh, I heard in a shir, so now i got to force myself to add on another thing and make myself more miserable. No. No, no, and no. That's not the goal here. L'hishtadel, to try. L'yashiv atzmi heitev. To spend some time every day settling ourselves with the following questions. What is the purpose of all of this? For these things I feel, things that I feel within me. Pleasures, eating, drinking, other pleasures. And external things in the world that are meant to guide us in a way of holiness but can very often become arenas for impurity. Bazai says Rebbe Nachman again. It's not a suggestion. It's not a. It's not a conjecture. Bevadai Yashuv El Hashem. Such a person will certainly return to Hashem if they had some time each day. Could you imagine if we built it into the curriculum, Hispoda this time? I'm sure that some kids would goof off, and some, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure. But if we had that as being even a thing. That people didn't have to discover at 38 years old when they go out to the forest and they start to open their mouths and then they reach out to me and they tell me, I never spoke to Hashem before in my life. With hundreds or thousands of chakras minchan maris that flash by, like my grandmother's joke about the from Jew that goes up, you know, on a spaceship and, you know, day and night, day and night, chakras minchan maris, chakras minchan maris. That's how it is for most of us, right? We don't know sometimes whether we even davening minchan maris, we don't know we're lost. We're lost. And he tells me, it's the first time that I spoke to God. That we shouldn't need to wait that long. And that our kids in schools should primarily get, not, not primarily how to behave properly, but primarily trained in this discipline of das and of machshava and yishava das and existential clarity. Then we can start to fit the pieces of the puzzle 
into the general picture. We know how to put it together if we first see the picture on the box. And so many of us, and this has been our experience, that's why we're turning to Hasidahs at whatever stage in life that we're at, but so many of us feel as if we've had the puzzle pieces all our lives, but no one ever gave us a glimpse of the big picture that then sheds light and clarity onto the problem of, well, how do we put this together properly? And so we're haphazardly, hey, maybe these two fit. Hey, maybe this goes here. Hey, but we don't, we don't know what we're trying to put together. The sum total of what the tzaddik can give us is the picture on the box. They don't put the puzzle together for us. That's our own avoda. But they will give us a shining vision of the big picture that we're trying to get to. That they will give us. The Torah and the mitzvahs, mitzvah say, millions of halachas and tikduki halachas, those are the puzzle pieces. But a person can have all of that and not have the faintest inkling as to how to put this thing together or what it's supposed to do and how it is supposed to put me back together. Not the faintest inkling. You see that again and again and again. Big time in the chachamim, in the way that they treat their children or their wives or, or on, the, on the flip side, in all different ways. They don't have the faintest clue. They can tell you excises backwards and forwards. They don't have the faintest clue as to why they're learning excise and what Torah is supposed to do for them. Because there's no hiskashrus tzaddikim. That's the element that's missing. We can go into this for a long period of time now. It's a conversation that's aruchaminayam. All of our conversations and all of our shiurim are about this, if you haven't recognized at this point. It's all one thing we're trying to say in two billion different ways. And the hope is that it goes in to myself and into all of us so that we parent differently and so that we engage with life differently and relate to each other differently and operate on a different realm. We can't change the world, but with, among our chevra, we can cultivate a great fire. A great fire of clarity and das and courage and confidence and correct living founded on correct thinking. But the yisod of the distinction between chaver that get it and chaver that are not yet getting it is the, is, the, is the element of the tzaddik. Everything that we speak about, the importance of learning chasidus, sweet. It's all the Indian of, of the tzaddik. It's all the Indian of yisod. It flows down through that channel. If there's hiskashrus to tzaddikim, chaver, what's the tzaddik called? Ki the tzaddik's gilui is the aspect of kol. Without the tzaddik, you have a shamayim here, an aretz here, have different parts of my life, my spiritual life, my mundane life. You're never going to put it together without the picture on the puzzle box that's called the tzaddik emes. Ki chol That's what binds tiferes, limanatayra, malchus, tfila. The mundane, the spiritual, that's the channel that's going to put it together. That's the missing element. And that's what I hope you and I can cultivate in our lives, is his skashras to tzaddikim, which will then give us kesher in every other element of our lives so that we can put this thing together. And so that we can bring this baby home, because we're almost there. It's going to be you and me. It's going to be you and me. Mark my words. We are just getting started. And to see the growth just over the past five years, 10 years, certainly. I've been on this trip for a little bit of time. And when I started, even then, forget about where Moshe Weinberger has been screaming about all this for 40 years, they don't begin to fathom one word that comes out of the man's mouth. They don't begin to fathom it. They're not processing it through the same consciousness that he's saying it. It's a different, it's not, a, it's not the same conversation. He's speaking here, and everybody else is speaking somewhere about 2 million miles in a different, in a different direction. I'll be nice, in a different direction. It's a different conversation. Bechlal. 
He's been speaking about it for 40 years with very little movement over the last 10, certainly five, and when LPI started just over the past three years, the movement and momentum and growth and impact that this kind of consciousness of his skashrus is having on a parched generation that's so thirsty, they're desperate, they are desperate, is absolutely phenomenal to see. Khabar asked me, and we'll, we'll end with this, we have to finish. I want to see these next two pieces, so we'll begin next week's share with it. People asked me when I came back from my trip you know, around uh, to different communities in America two weeks ago, so they say, ooh, you must, you must feel very accomplished. You must feel very... And I said, you know, there, there certainly was a level of, of Baruch Hashem. Like, you know, it was an incredible experience. But all it did was to show me how much more work there is to be done. How many people, Sacha Kol, did we reach? A couple of hundred? A couple of hundred at each event, some bigger events, some smaller events. Do you know how many tens of thousands of people need this? Are desperate for this? don't even know where to begin looking for this, are prevented from two billion sides from even opening up their neshamas to what their neshamas are howling for. It's a drop in the bucket. So it's a good start, and it's very encouraging to see the growth, Baruch Hashem, in our own lives and to see our little community, growing community, growing a network of chever all over the place. But the real, real institutional communal change there's a lot of work to be done. And that's why, again, I want to empower each and every one of you. I'll say it again. Even the last week's year was all on it. And I try to end this year with this. Take a position of leadership in whatever way. Because we cannot risk at this point having access to certain levels of clarity and keeping it for ourselves when we can literally be saving lives in the simplest, simplest basic sense of the word directly and indirectly so Chavar Bezer Hashem we have to realize this is a team game we're all in it together we all need the kibbutz right the kibbutz of all the chassidim the kibbutz of all the people that are plugged in to spread this to start living it to embody it and to and to and, and to talk this language to whomever we can and we'll see the effects to fill ourselves up so much that we overflow that's the, that's the essence of Hashpah so I bless us, Bezer Hashem, we should be zoiche. To really put this into practice, this Eitzah, it's really like a very pragmatic Eitzah. Time every day to be miyashif, to be miyashif. Gain yishavadas, hold yishavadas. Hasar kasmi libcha, get rid of the anger and the tension and frustration. Breathe deeply into things. Have the, have the maisa founded on a healthy machshava and put stock into machshava in our own lives and in the lives of our family and friends and we'll see how things begin to change and how we begin to live elevated lives and not waste our time in this world, not waste it, to live for real. And we don't need to change anything we're already doing. It's the life of a, of a Jew, of a working Jew, predominantly, historically, that's the more authentic kind of Jew, just the working guy that you think you're regular, to realize you're making tikkunim atzumim. You're bringing the world closer to Mashiach. You're picking up nitzaitzes and you have opportunities to be megalik fod shemayim in whatever you're already doing. Let's upgrade the consciousness, apply it, and conquer the world, mamish. We can do that and we will do that. Together. Okay, we have more to do. Ezer Hashem next week. Thank you so, so much to all of you for joining. 
again, it's a huge privilege, a huge, huge privilege to, to, be able to, uh, to, to be able to learn with you. And if there are any questions, I apologize. We usually take the full hour. Please feel free to reach out to the LPI um, uh, uh, business. And I, that's me. And I will try over there to, to get back to each and every one of you, um, whoever, whoever, whoever reaches out with questions in my short allotted time for WhatsApp that I'm trying to limit. Have Rahmanas on me, but don't have Rahmanas on me. You know, if, if, if there's any potential of us getting closer to Hashem together, B'tzavsa, that's the goal. Okay? Ashreinu Chevra. Let's again march out to the world. Fire, 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 clarity. Ashreinu, Matoiv Chalkeinu. Okay, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Bezer Hashem Thursday. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Thank you, Hever. Kaltuf. Thank you so much.